everyone and welcome to this week's episode of the Library Girl and Book Boy podcast which is all about the Clipper. That is a long-standing poetry award run by the CLPE um, celebrating the best poetry anthologies, collections, books published in the previous year for children from nursery all the way up to secondary school. And today I'm chatting with the Chair of Judges this year, the wonderful author and poet A.F. Harold. So without any further ado, let's hear what he has to say about the shortlisting process and about the shortlisted titles themselves. Enjoy! Right, hello everybody. We are here this evening talking to and listening to the lyrical gangster AF Harold about the Clipper Awards. Hello there. Hello, hello. Good to uh, good to speak to you, Joe. Thank you for coming on to talk to us. Always so, my pleasure. So the reason that you have been roped into chatting to me this evening yeah. is to do with a rather wonderful poetry award, the Clipper. So I was just wondering if you would explain to people what it actually is. What is the Clipper yes. Award? The Clipper Award is the own, as far as I'm aware, the only uh, prize in in the UK that is awarded every year to the finest books of poetry written for, aimed at kids or young people. Then it's been going for uh almost 20 years from the around about the beginning of the century and it followed on from an award called the signal poetry prize that had been going for 20 odd years before that so this prize in one way or another has been awarding and uh rewarding poetry written for kids for getting on for 40 years yeah so it's it's quite an established thing and it's it's a, a lovely thing for people to win and as you know, there's loads of prizes for for stories, for you know, novels and things out there. But there's the only one that's focused on poetry. Um, so hooray for that. Yes, definitely. And we'll come back to why poetry is so important towards the um, end of our chat. I hadn't realised it had yeah. actually been running for so long. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. It, it's now it's under the auspices of an amazing organisation called CLPE, the Centre for Literacy in Primary Education, who do loads of work with teachers and with kids on uh, how to get literacy and reading and stuff uh, going. And they've they've um, supported the prize and run the prize and organised the prize for, as I say, almost 20 years. So uh, it's a good umbrella to be under. Yeah, no, fantastic. So... Could you tell us um, a little bit about who is forming the judging panel for this year's awards? Because I'm presuming it changes every year. And maybe a little yeah, bit yes. about their background as well. Of course I can. Of course I can. There's, um, there's a couple of traditions, I think, with the, uh, with the judging panel. There's uh, five judges each year. And one of those is always, wherever it's practical, the winner of the previous year. So, so this year on the judging panel, we had an uh, amazing young lad called Carl Nova, who, who won, the, uh, won the Clipper last year. And Carl is, oh, he's only young, but he's a, a, a rapper and a poet and a performer and, and great fun. Um, 
And so, so that's one element, the previous winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Carl brought youth and rhythm and vibrancy to the panel. Uh, there's always somebody from CLPE because they know, well, they know about the history of the prize. You know, they, have, they bring that continuity to the judging panel and the breadth and depth of knowledge of the people at CLPE is astonishing. So there's a wonderful woman, uh, Charlotte Hacking, there who was the CLPE body on the uh, on the panel. Uh, Susanna Herbert was there as well, and Susanna is the um, the head, the chief executive. I'm not sure exactly the title, but she runs the forward arts people who do the forward prize, which is the biggest um, long running adult poetry prize in the UK. So she was on the panel and she knows her poems. You know, she knows quality poetry when she sees it it and works with it every day. So she was a great uh, boon to the panel. Um, Ruth Awalola was on there. She was another, um, she was on last year's shortlist. She was a a poet who's in a collection called Rising Stars, which is one of the shortlisted books there and they invited her onto the panel because uh she's great uh she works with kids she's a youth worker a lot and again she's only young so she brings um a different eye to the one that charlotte brings or susanna or i bring uh so ruth was on there and and me uh for some reason they asked me to come along um i write poetry have done for a very long time i've got some uh, kids' books. I've got a, a lovely book of poetry called "Things You Find in a Poet's Beard," uh, <laughs> which is illustrated by the uh, His Highness uh, Chris Riddell, because um, it's very hard to stop him from illustrating anything. Yes, I've uh, seen him. He he is insatiable. Isn't he? <laughs> he, he is, um, and I've had the good fortune to work with CLPE over the last few years. Running, um, I've done some workshops with teachers on poetry. And some of my um, one of my novels, a song from somewhere else, is on their power of reading list. So often go and talk to teachers about that. So CLP kind of liked me, which is nice, uh, and invited me along to to chair the judging panel to keep everybody in uh, in order there. So that was it. The five of us: Carl, Ruth, Susanna, Charlotte, and me, AF Harold. Perfect. So you mentioned that your your main role as chair of judges is keeping the other people in order. Is that really the case or do they have to keep you in line as well at times? And what, what do you have any other roles as within that position? Well, I, I think I think the, the, the thing is when you've got five people in a room and we, we locked ourselves into a room at CLPE for an afternoon to make our make our decisions. When you've got five people in a room, you need one of them who's sort of been designated the person who says, okay, that's enough. Let's talk about this now just to keep things moving along because otherwise it becomes a bit chaotic. That's as far as power goes, that was it. It was keeping an eye on the watch and sort of structuring how we talked about things. Um, But I very much saw us all as, as as very equal in the process. Um, uh, Because, uh, one doesn't want to be a, an, an idiot about these things. No, no, of course not. Or you wouldn't be invited back next time. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Which would be a real shame. So, um, obviously, 
I want you to tell people about the shortlisted titles themselves. Yeah. Before you do that, mm-hmm. could you give us any... I know people are always very interested with any book awards as to how the titles are actually shortlisted. Could you tell us a little bit about how yeah, you did that? Of course I can. Of course I can. The, um, the eligibility of the books we were looking at was they had to be published last year. So January to December 2018, mm-hmm. wasn't that? was last year. Uh, so anything that was published in the UK during that time period that was eligible and publishers were responsible for sending in what they wanted us to look at um and so you're reliant on uh publishers going yep no this this is good enough there are a couple of rules we don't do picture books we don't do rhyming um picture books so you know the the gruffalo wouldn't get in because that simply opens the floodgates too wide yeah because then, then any book written in rhyme would get sent in um and so so we had a big box of books that the various publishers had sent in each judge received this box at the start of uh, february round about then i think it was february march sometime around then and we opened this box up and there are about 40 books that had been sent in and i was fortunate because i'd been um I, I read books sometimes as they turn up. So yeah. I'd actually read maybe a sort of a dozen of these last year as they came out. So I was already a little step ahead there. So I felt quite good about that. I could put a little pile there going, okay, I like those ones already. Um, but that still left you know, 30 odd books I had to read for the first time. And it was a wide variety of books. There were non-fiction books about uh, about geology and about nature and about the seaside. And there were some verse novels in there. There were a few of those, a poem for every day of the year books in there. Um, there were tiny little you know, slim volumes in there. So there's a wide variety of different sorts of things we were reading and we each came up with a list of um, eight or nine books that we thought were really, really, really good enough to deserve a prize. And I I had each of the judges send me that um, sort of anonymously, as it were, and I collated those scores. And between the five judges, I was really pleased. I was really intrigued. There were two books i think that we all voted for that we all put on the definitely list um and then lots of books we had crossover and then each of us had one or two books that only we liked enough to think it was this special and so when we came together for the actual judging day we had this sort of framework anything that nobody had voted for we weren't going to look at you know as easy as that that left us with some i know 20 odd books that we were going to look at during the day we all said a bit about the books that only we liked because i thought it was right that those books got um spoken about there it was very unlikely we'd be able to persuade four other people to come on board but i wanted those books to get a get an airing, get a a few lines out. And then we started talking about the books that we all liked a bit more, more of us, two or three or four of us liked. And 
simply by talking about them and holding them up. And sometimes somebody would go, yeah, no, that was almost on my list. So, yeah, no, I'd be happy to talk about that. Or other people would, might go, mm, I'm not sure there was this that I didn't really get. We were able to whittle that sort of primary bunch of sort of maybe 15, 20 books down to a really good solid core of eight or nine books overall. But we were only allowed five on the shortlist. Goodness. Because that's that's how the clipper works is a five book shortlist. Mm-hmm. And that's where it gets tricky. Yeah. When you've thrown the I mean, right at the very beginning, you throw the rubbish away because some people send you rubbish books. Very easy to get rid of those. You're still left with loads of books. Some of them are pretty good, but you can push those to one side because they don't don't have that special thing. But then once you're left with eight books that all have the special thing, you know, that indescribable quality X uh, there, that's where it gets hard. And you have to and we talked about it and we thought about the balance on the shortlist Um, and and it becomes a case of trying to find five books off of these eight that fit together that make a shortlist that you can all be really happy with and we did that we came up with five books that every one of the judges was really happy with as a as a whole, as a list that could be given to a school or given to a library or given to a kid and go, there's something for all of you here. Um, and we were nice people. This was what's really lovely about those judges. Susanna and Ruth and Carl and Charlotte were all lovely and they didn't, nobody cried. <laughs> nobody was injured during the discussions. Everybody felt heard everybody got to say um you know say their thoughts and get listened to and we i think we were fortunate that the the five of us got on so well in that room because i hear things and you hear about other places where or other years even when it's not been quite so harmonious where it's not been so fractious so i think i i, I think we were a nice group coming up with a nice shortlist. Shall we uh, yes. talk about the shortlist? Um, yes, can I just ask quickly, um, the, the book yeah, that you've you chosen, can. is it aimed yeah. primarily at primary schools? or is it This secondary? is what's tricky. This, mm. is, this is what's tricky because well, it's one of the things, many things are tricky when you're trying to give a prize, of course. Yeah. Um, but one of the tricky things is the age range we're covering. So we're, we're talking about books for young people so that includes secondary school that includes nursery yeah um and you can see in in previous years sometimes it's been very tricky there was a year a couple of years ago where um sarah crossan's book one one yeah i mean it's difficult to say that clearly her book called one like the number yes won won the prize (laughs) won the prize and they also, but they split the prize or they awarded it to two books and they gave it to Michael Rosen and Chris Riddell's Big Cuddle. Is yeah. that the book? Um, which was very much at the other end where Sarah's novel is quite a big thing. Um, 
advance for readers. Mm-hmm. They kind of sort of balanced it, but we were advised that they they don't want that just made things complicated it turned out giving two prizes because it confused the journalists right uh, <laughs> okay so so yes the age range we're looking for is from you know birth to 14 15 16. gosh that's a huge span uh, isn't it which is yeah i mean you take that age span those 16 years the difference between being 30 and being 46 doesn't matter yeah. but between being it's the hugest changes the hugest uh, range of um experience and uh, you know intellectual acumen and everything else no. but no. the shortlist we got works there so oh. um so i think if We've got five books, right? And we, if I start with the sort of younger end. Perfect. There's a a lovely book that, um, there was one of those books that actually everybody had agreed on before we even sat down to talk. And that was uh, a book called Thinker, My Puppy Poet and Me by Eloise Greenfield, uh, illustrated by Ethan Abadalahi. and it's a t- it's from Tiny Owl Publishing, and it's a beautiful. It's almost a a picture book. Um, the illustrations are big and colourful. It's a beautiful little hardback, and it tells a story about uh, a boy called Jace who gets a pet dog, and this dog is a poet. This dog writes poems himself, and he talks to Jace, and Jace can talk to him and it's a sequence of poems just about the relationship between the boy and his dog uh, just little odds and ends set in America with with beautiful full colour illustrations there and Eloise Greenfield is uh, she's she's just turned mathematics 90 uh, and we've not I've not I hadn't heard of her before I saw this book but she's uh, an American poet who's won practically every award in America and has published you know, 50-odd books there throughout her very long life. Um, so it's lovely to have her included on this list mm. with a book that I really love, that I think is a, a great... It's an interesting little story. It's, oh, it's so thoughtful. It's so beautiful. Um but because of the way it looks, because of the the thin the the shortness of the pages, you know, it's it's a thin book. It will appeal to the younger readers, but it will still give more to older readers as you come to it. it just won't take them as long to read it. Um, have you have you had a look? At, have you had a chance to look at these? I have. The short... I've been sent. I've yeah. actually been lucky to be sent through um, the shortlist, and I have uh-huh. had a, a very quick glance through because I only came um, a day or two ago and they're beautiful titles and I haven't mm. heard of um, her before either but it is no no but I think we've been missing out and I hope I hope some of her backlist um, you know, starts appearing I'm sure it's been you know been around but uh, I hadn't noticed it so lovely 90 years old uh, in with the chance to win the UK's foremost uh, poetry prize for kids Good luck to her. I'm not going to give any hints about who's won it because they're all brilliant books and I think they should all win. 
Yes, um, and you're not allowed to. I've been told on very strict instructions well, you you're can, not you can to tell ask. us who's won. So. I'm not going to tell you, but no. you, you can feel free to ask. Um, the next book I want to talk about, sort of moving up the age range, is a book by Rachel Rooney and Chris Riddell's done the illustrations from Otter Barry books, a book called A Kid in My Class. And again, it's like Thinker, it's showing us how good um, how good design on a book can make such an attractive object. Thinker is, is small with this lovely dust jacket and all the colour throughout. Kid in My Class, again, is hardback. It's got Chris's illustration throughout in... Um, black and white with a, a blue wash so quite you know a simple um color palette but it works and what rachel's done here this book is it's called a kid in my class and each poem in the book is a pen portrait of a kid in the class you know it kind of you know, it's a ron seal book it does what it says on the front <laughs> so so you get a little poem about all these different kids who are sort of archetypes but their kids um they're brought to life on their own the whiz kid the fidget the tomboy the keepy uppy kid the copycat the tough kid the drama queen the artist the questioner all of these um wonderful kids and she's got a lovely little introduction at the beginning that says um you know, we're likely to be a mixture of several of them. You know, have a look through, see which bits of yourself or of your friends, which aspects you can spot. I'm a little bit, I'm sort of two fifths that kid, three fifths that one. Um, and it's just a glorious collection of portraits, pen portraits of kids. I, I, I think it's a great thing. And I mean, I at the end of each year, sometimes you get... Um, asked by a paper or a website to put your favorite books of the year and I think book trust asked me last year and I have to admit this was one of my books of last year right okay. I'd already before I started judging this I'd this I read this last year and I'd picked it out as one of my favorite books of last year so when it turned up in the box I thought yep I will put that in my I like it pile straight away and I was really pleased when the other judges uh, agreed with my wisdom. Yes, they had the good taste to agree with you. They did. They didn't agree with me about everything, but this mm. one, yeah, no, they're on the page. Um, so I think that's that's a great book. The next one is Philip Gross's collection, uh, Dark Sky Park, which is the only one I haven't got here at my desk because I accidentally left it on the stage in Hay, uh, the Hay Festival the other week. Mm -hmm. So I need to get a new copy of it. Um, but it's it's kind of different from the other books that we've got on the list in that it's what you might call non-fiction. It's a sort of nature science book, um, a look at the the world around us. There's some ecology, there's poetry, um, politics. There's all sorts in there, and it's it's illustrated. I can't tell you who it's illustrated by, but you may be able to if you've got the book there, you'll know. Yes, I'll um, find it and make sure I mention it. Yeah, do please, because the uh, illustrators are, are important. Yeah. Um, I just don't have my copy with me. Um, and Philip is uh, an amazing poet. He's a grown-up poet as well as a kid's poet um, who's written some wonderful and moving uh, books for, for 
adults. Um, and this book is, is is just a it's a lovely exploration of the world around us, of nature, of um, animals. And it's got this little thread of these these tardigrades, this this tardigrade sequence, these little water bears, these uh, microscopic creatures that can survive all sorts of extremes. They keep popping up through the books. There's this sort of ribbon running through it, binding it all together. It's, it's a great, great book um, there. Now, the next one I want to talk about is the only uh, verse novel on the list. Um, it's by Kwame Alexander, uh, American author. Uh, it's called Rebound. And it's the fattest of all the books because uh, it's a it's a novel in in poems, so it's hundreds and hundreds of pages. Uh, but it, yeah, it's almost four hundred pages. This is by because being written in in poetry, and Kwame has this marvelous touch of musicality and acrobatics in his writing, which is sort of mirrored sometimes in the typography that's going on that just keep you. That, that mean there's a reason why he's writing in poetry. And sometimes you read a verse novel and it could just be short chapters. Yeah. You know, it, it could it's been chopped up to look nice. But but Kwame's got this real poet's touch that makes the writing bouncy. And it's about a boy who um growing up in the in the USA in the mid eighties of eighty eight, I think it is, uh he's playing basketball, which is what the rebound is. There and every now and then throughout the story, the poems, which are mainly mainly in a sort of free verse, you know, although he does play with form, there every now and then it breaks into this comic, these uh, sort of double page double page spreads of uh, comic strip, and the the verse just becomes uh, rhyming and rap like, and just gets this rhythm as the as the actual basketball game is going on. And it's it's a story, and something dreadful happens to him, and he overcomes it. And, you know, these things happen. But oh, I liked this. Yeah. Uh, I like this a lot. And I'm not a huge fan of verse novels. I don't always get on with them. But this one, this one worked for me. And I think the age group that it's aimed at the boy is twelve or so okay. in the story. And often verse novels are written for older age groups. You know, they're dealing with sort of teenage coming of age things are quite harsh and edgy and this was a much warmer much more encompassing much more primary school and secondary school friendly uh story okay. in there and and I, I i think this this is the book that really does the crossover as we're moving up the age range this and and dark sky park certainly um, would fit year six, year seven, year eight, you know, crossing that divide. And that's so difficult to do, um, and the last... isn't it? It's so hard to do. It is, it is. Yeah, yeah. And I think the, the, the next book, the last book on the shortlist uh, by Steve Camden, who I knew years ago on the performance poetry circuit when he was performing as Polar Bear, that's his stage name. Then mm -hmm. Steve's written a couple of... Um, a couple of kids' novels or YA novels, or in this is his first 
collection of poetry for younger people there. It's called Everything All at Once. And what it is, is essentially A Kid in My Class, the book we talked about before, but for secondary school. And although it doesn't take each each kid and do a, a pen portrait of them, it is taking us around the secondary school, looking at the characters in it, um, there is again there's a little sort of thread of some recurring characters through it, a sort of recurring uh, story uh, or dialogue between a couple of characters. But we're just going around a secondary school, looking at what kids are like, what teenagers are like, what they have to deal with, what they have to face, what being in a secondary school is. And I think this would be a a brilliant book to give to your year sevens a brilliant book to put in the pack that you give your kids who come up on an induction day and you're in the summer term give them this to take away over the summer and it will give them such an insight into what they're facing when they come back to go up to big school in in september it's it's a book that will set them up there and that they will grow to recognize more and more of as they sort of move up through the years at the secondary school. Oh, how interesting. Um, and because Steve grew up as as a performance poet and as a very much a sort of storytelling performance poet, he, he was a really great performer. If you ever get the chance um, to see him either do an adult gig or, or work with kids, I've done some kids events with him uh, in the last few years. He, he's such a great performer and he knows he knows how poems should sound. And so the poems here are are great for reading out. They have the rhythms, they have the the feel, the conversationality of them. It's Steve's an expert at, at what he does, these um conversational story poems. And I think it's gonna be a great book that young people will enjoy. And so that's the the range we've got there, sort of moving through across all age groups, um, uh, across a variety of sort of subject matters, we've got stories, we've got more you know, dip in books, we've got non-fiction, we've got, um, I mean, it's all, uh, we've got sort of made-up stuff, uh, we've got illustrated, non-illustrated, uh, I'm proud of this shortlist, and we all agreed uh, that it was it was good. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's what we did. We sat down at the end and went, "Do you know what? That's pretty good. That is." Yeah, we can't. Ask and I hope I hope the people who who look at these books will um, will find something in it. They don't they don't have to like them all. There's a beautiful thing about having five books on shortlist. You don't have to like them all. If you like two of them, brilliant. You might find some of the others you'll like in a couple of years' time. Yeah. Or, you know, this is what this is what poetry books are so good at as well, rather than novels, is that they're made up of so many elements, poems. Yes, you can just dip in. That you dip in yeah. and you find them. And as you're reading, as, as a young person, or even as an adult, as you read something, sometimes yeah, it's a bit boring, that one, but you might pick it up in five years' time and find that poem you didn't get then. And actually, that's the one that does it now. 
And if you don't like the poem on this page, turn the page. Um, oh, poetry is a good a good thing, but but we're getting ahead. <laughs> um, what does it say here? Was there much debate? You kind of answered oh, that you, already. You so, yeah, we've yeah, talked yeah, about we've the titles. That. So I just wanted to. So oh, what's I wanted next? To ask you. I know that um, the winner yeah. is due to be announced at the start of July, isn't it? And. Um, and that's right, July 3rd, I think. Yes, yes. July 3rd. What at I, National and I was just wondering, who actually picks the overall winner? Is it the judging panel, or does your shortlist then go to others to pick the overall winner? We we do it oh, all. Okay. We do it all. So not only do we have to whittle 40 books down to our favourite five, we then have to whittle those five down to our... Our favourite so one. Did that take debating? Or it is. You, it is especially, you... especially when you've got five books mm. that are so different to one another, that are doing different jobs, facing different directions there. And so that is an interesting yes, I was going to say, was it as friendly as the all... initial shortlisting? It was. It was. And the winner bounced about a couple of times between you know, some of the different books um, as the conversation went on. Uh, but we we ended up with you know, the arrow of, of winningness pointing at one book that we all were able to agree. Yeah, no, that's, that's good. That's good. But it's really important to say that all five of these books and loads of the other books that were published last year are all really good. And by picking one out, we're not saying this is better than the other four. We're saying there's something about this one that we think will, will lead it to... Uh, I don't really know what I'm saying there. <laughs> Because it's sort of disingenuous, isn't it, to say, well, they're all winners, because yeah. they are. Uh, but then it's also disingenuous to say, you know, your your book that actually won, it's not really the winner, because they're all winners. But I mean both of those things. Yeah. I, I mean, all five of these books are the winners, but one of them we had to give a laurel crown to, which does mean something, but also doesn't mean all that much. Um, you know, the winner, we love them, but we love the other four as well. Uh, and what I, what I think is important is not so much who wins, because you'll find that out July 3rd, but the fact that these five books are available right now. I mean, we're, well, where are we? We're in June at some point as we're talking about this, about halfway yes. through June. And there are schools uh, doing the clipper shadowing um, who are reading these books in their classes and CLPE do classroom resources, learning resources for all of the books mm -hmm. on the shortlist. So your, your classes, your teachers, your libra school librarians, where you've still got them, um, are able to share these books with their classes and they have a structure to talk and think about them uh, there. And so all five of these books are given that support have been you know, sent out into schools for to encounter actual children. Yes, and it's quite nice for the schools. Um, but and then make their yeah, decisions. and then the schools obviously then have the benefit of being exposed to these poets whose work they perhaps might not otherwise come yeah. across, which is fantastic. Yeah, because 
because that's what we're we're doing. That's what we're trying to do. I think with the prize is to highlight these books that get lost. Poetry gets lost. We all know this. You go into Waterstones, you look for their poetry shelf, and there's there's because poetry books are quite often thin. They're quite slim volumes. You no, know, they they share half a shelf with joke books and and puzzles and they're all falling over and half of them are so old poetry is not represented as well as you no know, books by celebrity authors who get the big tables at the front of the shop most you know this i know this uh, <laughs> it is but i think but i think poetry doubly yeah. so because there are various extra burdens poetry has and so by being able to pick five out and say look we're going to make it easy for you here's five really good ones just buy these and you have a really good insight into what's being published and from there you can go and uh you know extend your your school library or extend your personal reading by looking at the other books these authors have written you know um this is a sort of a foot in the door for these poems um, that we're holding up to to kids and to, to their teachers and librarians is give these a go. Yeah, no. And yeah. why I, th- I as a teacher, um, I've always found that in the schools I've worked in and myself personally, that poetry isn't given the time or the coverage that it, it merits because I think often people lack confidence. Mm perhaps in discussing poetry with children. I was just wondering, as an author and a poet yourself, um, why do you think it's so important that poems are studied in schools? Well, I I like poems. Um, you know, it, for me, it's quite simple. I'm I'm not a teacher. I'm not a, a you know. A, I have no educational qualifications, right? I merely come at this as a lay person who has spent 30 odd years writing poems of of one sort or another and i think poetry is just such a a a democratic art form you might say it's easy to do all you need is a pen and a pencil and five minutes to have a go you know you don't need to concentrate for months writing a novel a poem might take five ten minutes might take an hour might take a week but poems are, because they're so, they can be so small and they can be so constrained. There's a poem by a poet called Elizabeth Jennings, who was a great poet of the, the last century, sort of um, uh, English, English poet of the mid-century. And she wrote a, a poem I love called Curtains Undrawn, which is about walking down the road um, early winter in the evening at that time of day when the sun's going down, it's getting dark outside. And so people are turning the lights on in the houses, but they've not got round to drawing the curtains mm-hmm. yet. And she's walking down the street, looking through these lit windows at these portions of people's lives. Now, just as she's passing by, just seeing this little box with this life going on in there. And I think of poems, one of the things that poems can be, are these windows that just give us a just a little glimpse into another life or into a little description of somebody or a situation and then we move on 
from it. It's just a, a, a sketch, an image caught through the window. We're not worrying about the whole story. You don't have to you know, know what happened before or what happens after. And that moment that can be a moment we recognize, a moment that echoes with our lives, could be a, think of the Michael Rosen poems that are so often about, um, you know, my kid said this, or my dad used to say that, that just that moment at breakfast time, that memory of, you know, what dad used to say when he came in from work, that just that moment of conversation, we don't need a longer story than that. And being able to make such small vignettes, such small glimpses, moments out of a life and turn them into something on the page or something that we can read out in, in assembly or read you know, at whenever we feel right without having to worry about beginnings and endings, I, I think is one of the great joys of poetry. And on the other side, reading it, you don't have that dauntingness of how have we got time to finish this chapter? Dip in, read a poem, keep your poetry books in the toilet. When you sit down to have a wee, <laughs> read a poem, put the book back. That you laugh, but I, I'm wholly serious about this. I think that's the perfect place for poetry yeah. books to live because of their dippability. Um, and you'll catch little moments, whether they're funny poems or sad poems or serious poems or poems about nature or poems about science or poems about the past. Um, they're small and they're snackable. Poems are the, the literature you can eat between meals and they won't ruin your appetite. They'll only make you better and happier. And if you don't like that poem, you only wasted 30 seconds reading it. Well, you've sold me. You should you be in advertising another... exec. <laughs> <laughs> right. Well, there we go. Uh, Poetry Marketing Board, lecture number two, Fantastic. done. Fantastic. Um, that, that's, that's why I, that, I mean, that's why I like poems. And I think, I think those are extendable, whether you're, whether you're seven or whether you're 70, those factors can still, still be a part of it. Okay for you thank you so just before we just before we um, finish yeah you've said that the winner will be announced on the 3rd of july where can people listen yep. to find out the news and um what happens then um for the winner i mean i know they get to be a judge um on next year's panel so so the the winner um well let, let's take those in okay. reverse order the winner will um be crowned with uh, a laurel wreath and robed in purple mm -hmm. on stage at the National Theatre um, on on the day. So so that's that's lovely. Uh, their book will be remembered forever as being the winner of the 2019 Clipper Award, which no other book is ever going to be. And he or she will be invited to be a member of the judging panel next year and CLP will continue to support all five of the books as they do uh, with their, their um, classroom schemes and what have you as as I believe they do previous years books. Um, the best place to find out if you're not fortunate enough to be at the National Theatre which if your school is doing the shadowing which I think um, I, I think 
it may be closed now. I'm not. I'm by the time this comes out, probably. But if your school were one of the schools shadowing, you may have won the chance to actually be at the national theatre with your mm-hmm. class uh, performing on stage. Brilliant. So, if you didn't do it this year, 2020, look into the CLP's shadowing yeah. scheme. Uh, it's a great project. Um, Twitter, follow CLPE on Twitter. Check CLPE's website, um, which is easy enough to find because just put CLPE in mm-hmm. and you'll find it uh, there. I'm sure uh, many of us will be shouting on, on Twitter about it uh, on, on the afternoon of the 3rd. Um, and with any luck, I mean, you would hope that some of the you know, larger media organisations would you know, put a little bit out about it. I believe last year, I think Carl and Ruth were saying they got to go on Blue Peter mm-hmm. uh, when they were winner and um, highly commended there. So whether that's going to happen this year, I yes. don't know. Uh, but but check yes. Twitter, guys. It's the 21st century. Yes. Twitter is, is where we all find Certainly. out things. <laughs> Brilliant, thank you. And hopefully there'll be a front page spread in every newspaper. That's true. But I wouldn't hold my breath no, about there that. There should be. Either because this is children's poetry yes. we're talking mm. about. You know, and the, the sad world we live in doesn't value uh poetry written written for kids, is it? Mm, yeah. Um and it doesn't give us the uh, the value and the the you know, high regard that perhaps some of us wish it which it did. Yeah, no, I agree. It's, it looks <sighs> sadly as a, as is most but literature. I think. Of but, course, but of then. course, of course. But I bet the day David Williams writes a book of poems, that will be on the front page. Quite possibly. Um, that's a whole nother conversation. <laughs> but that, that's a discussion for a different day. <laughs> yes. Anyway. Uh, well, thank you, Joe. It's been a pleasure talking at you. God, I do go on a bit. I apologize. No, it's been for that. so interesting. Uh, thank you very much for talking to me. That's my pleasure. And um, hopefully, uh, we'll, we'll do this again one day on whatever subject we discuss next. Well, I will certainly be in touch with your people to get in touch with you when, when, when I hear you have something Excellent. new coming out because um, The Imaginary is one of my favorite books to read. Oh, that's lovely, lovely. Gasp. It's amazing. Thank you. Well, Emily yes. Gravett is the master of um, spooky yes. pictures uh, in that in, in that, that book in spooky. particular. Yeah. I'm really looking forward to. Do you know she's doing the um, the Quidditch through the ages at the moment? Yeah, you know the big illustrated yeah. editions that they've been doing. Chris uh, Chris Riddell just did mm-hmm. Tales of Beedle the Bard. Emily is doing oh, the Quidditch book, you know, the little tiny comic relief yeah. book she's turning into a giant thing. That is her project this wow. year. Um, I was talking to her oh, a few weeks ago and she said uh, that she's she's struggling to come up with new ways of drawing broomsticks <laughs> yeah, sure. at the moment. But she's, if anyone can do it, she's the one. So so there's more Emily Good. to come. It's so gone on my out. wish list. Uh, yeah, no, me too. Mine or mine yes. too. Okie doke. Yeah. I best let you get no, on. No, thank you very much. And uh, it has been my I'm pleasure. Looking, I'm looking Okey forward doke. to finding out the winner in July. You take care now. Yeah, no, me too. <laughs> thank you. Cheerio, Joe. Bye bye.
So I hope you are now fully informed on the clipper and the amazing shortlisted titles and I hope you've got some inspiration of some new poetry books to stock in your libraries or to buy for people that you know. Now I promised AF that I would find out who illustrated the Dark Sky Park poems from the Edge of Nature book by Philip Gross and the illustrator for that title is Jesse Hodgson. If you want to get a look at the covers of the titles that were mentioned in my interview with AF or you just want to remind yourselves of what they're about I have done a blog post to go with this podcast episode if you want to find that you need to head over to my blog www.librarygirlandbookboy.wordpress.com and if you want to get in touch with me about any other poetry recommendations or recommendations on, on any subject for primary school children um, you can get hold of me on Twitter or Instagram as at BookSuperhero2 or you can find me over on Facebook where I have a Library Girl and Book Boy Facebook group. Make sure that you look out for next week's download because I have interviewed one of my favourite funny authors for middle grade readers, David Solomons, about the last instalment in his award-winning My Brother is a Superhero series. Now the last book is called My Cousin is a Time Traveller and I have been waiting to see how this series is going to end and I wasn't disappointed. So make sure you remember to subscribe to my podcast so you don't miss out on that being released next week. Thank you. Bye-bye.